inescapable love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter! Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am a Griffin Dyke of Chardonnay, Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about Chapter 11 of Goblet of Fire, Aboard the Hogwarts Express. It's September 1st, so, you know, it's time for Harry and the gang to go back to Hogwarts. The morning of September 1st, Arthur can't join the rest of his family as he usually does, because during breakfast, Amos Diggory flu calls them to have Arthur come help them with Mad-Eye Moody, who has attracted the attention of whatever muggle police is around him because of what they think is just him being a paranoid old cop, but as we all know, is Barty Crouch Jr. making his move to impersonate the man himself. Molly calls cabs for them to get to get all of her kids like, off to King's Cross, and the gang is also still frustratingly out of the loop about the upcoming Triwizard Tournament, though Draco has known for ages <laughs> because Lucius Malfoy does not give a fuck. The kids arrive at Hogwarts during a terrible rainstorm and take the quote-unquote horseless carriages up to the castle. Yep. Uh, before we get into it, just a couple of things. I want to thank our latest reviewers. C apostrophe hello. Chillo. This is like a French thing, like hello. I don't know. Uh, but you know what? Thank you, no matter what. Also to Wallow Ninja and reviewer name of my heart, Voldy the Emo Malgoth. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm glad that that username is now in the world. Me too. So good. <laughs> Such a delight. Um, and then we have some cool stuff to talk to you about. As you may have noticed, it's October, the spookiest of months. You also may be scratching your heads being like, why are you in my feed? Isn't it Mercury retrograde? Yes, we've changed our time off structure to a more sustainable one where we're going to be off in the summer like normal podcasters. So here we are. Technology curse be damned. I'm going to knock on wood because you just said that. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I'll join you in that. <laughs> <sighs> Yes, so we're doing some cool Halloween-y stuff. We're going to do our next Instagram Live Mad Tea Party, where we do Mad Libs that Jesse writes live with you while we drink tea. This this time it will be spooky-themed Mad Libs and tea. That's going to be on the 29th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And biggest news of all, we're doing our first live show on halloween sunday the 31st i'm terrified jesse's stoked it's happening <laughs> uh this will be virtual by the way so anyone who is awake at the time at the times so that we're going to be doing that um can join yeah um we haven't figured out all of the details yet as of this recording it's september 22nd so you know but as soon as we do, we'll let you know. I am planning on releasing tickets like two weeks before the event. They'll probably become available to our patrons sooner than that if I can figure out how people do that. Uh, and yeah, it should be rad. We're going to be talking about chapter 16, the Triwizard, no, Durmstrang and Bobaton. I don't remember. Chapter 16 of Goblet of Fire. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's the things. And now... We're going to start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Beloved father Arthur Weasley is definitely a super corrupt cop. Readers everywhere are dismayed to learn. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I had that in politics, but yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it for real in politics, but it deserved a headline. I think you're correct. <laughs> so with that, we're going to turn to the front page where we talk about 
everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, I just want to say that exploding trash cans sound like excellent home security. Just saying. I agree. Yeah. Hook us up, Mad-Eye. <laughs> uh, I want to say that I truly, truly hate the image of Molly tongue-feeding the floating <laughs> head of Amos Diggory <laughs> toast. <laughs> Okay, fair. Honestly, I just fair. hate it's it. Weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, yeah, man. it truly is. I find it weird that the Weasleys don't have anti-apparition wards or charms or whatever in their home, because Arthur just apparates like from the kitchen, and I'm like, this is like a, this seems like a safe. I mean, and I live in the middle of nowhere, but that seems like a safety issue it sounds like leaving your door unlocked or something worse yeah or leaving your door unlocked if you have really inconsiderate friends and neighbors who would just like walk into your home that's true yeah yeah that is really weird um i i know i think we talk about this like every every hogwarts express chapter but like why isn't crookshanks in a fucking carrier I'm so angry about this. Like, Kirkshank claws this poor tri- cab driver who is not getting tipped enough to deal with this bullshit. No. And then Kirkshank sh- scratches a shot at Hermione and her friends. I think, I know it's the witching world, so you can't just roll up in a, like, purple plastic cat carrier, but get a basket that fits the aesthetic. Something. And Hermione doesn't live in the witching world. She could absolutely have a carrier for this cat. It just seems like an oversight for someone like Hermione who plans very well. Yeah. And is very organized. Yeah. It kind of gives me, like, you know, doting yet irresponsible pet parent vibes where it's like, no, of course my dog doesn't need a leash. Like, he's so good. And you're like, your dog is literally, like, humping this random stranger's leg in a park like what are you doing put your dog on a leash and they're like he's so cute it's fine yeah that actually makes me incredibly angry yeah me too (laughs) so yeah it's like whatever the witchy world equivalent of a cat carrier is for my just go out and buy (laughs) yes please now we get to the start of what i think i've only hinted at in previous episodes which is my New theory that Dumbledore and Mad-Eye Moody are exes. I don't think you've ever mentioned this at all. Really? I guess we've only been thinking about it in my brain. Okay, like, Bill or Charlie says that, like, you know, Dumbledore and Mad-Eye are, like, old friends. And, like, Dumbledore, like, isn't normal, which I'm like, you mean gay. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) But I, like, I don't know. I just feel like, I know that Mad-Eye Moody was in the first order. Mm -hmm. And... If you want someone to teach defense against the, the dark arts, I suppose a retired cop is probably the most competent person you've had, minus Lupin, who was great and should have stayed. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a weird curse. Um, but my theory is they used to be exes, uh, just partly because they're both uh, old bachelors, mm-hmm. as we know. And I'm kind of like, in this world, maybe you're probably gay. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Which is, I think, how we're rooting a lot of characters, honestly. So... This is this is what I'm throwing out there. Yeah, we do see them consistently sitting together on the Wizen Gamot panel too when we get flashbacks. Like they're always like whispering to each other during the trials and stuff. And like, you know, I as much as I definitely feel bad about this, I mean, people in uniform can be hot. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I'm really trying to justify their like I don't need necessarily need to justify just to be like Yeah, they're just exes. Yeah, I mean, in this case, <laughs> Matt, I wasn't just working as a FBI agent. He also was, like, part of the resistance. So that does complicate things a bit. Yeah. Um, but I like this. And also it makes it, like, even worse that Dumbledore can't tell that it's a fucking imposter for this entire year. I mean, I think partly in my head is that maybe at, like didn't end very well between them. Like, enough where he took this job, but I'm sure Bridie Cross Jr.'s like, what the actual fuck? And just, you know, being kind of standoffish and being like, 
the past is in the past. And then having to, like, have real mad I'd chug a shit ton of versatam to be like, I guess I gotta know about you and Dumbledore's sex life in order to pe- in order to play this off. This is not what I expected oh God, when I went into amazing. this. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah, <sighs> great. That's all. Um, we get some foreshadowing, like good foreshadowing in this chapter, specifically about Malfoy's dad knowing Karkaroff and yep. uh, Hermione learning the summoning charm. I did I did notice that, I think maybe for the first time. I'm like, oh, not that that's going to be important later. Yeah, that actually was pretty good. Yeah. I really just hope these poor taxi cab drivers were tipped well because i mean one thing even if you're going anywhere and you're like is that an owl why do you have an owl in a cage what's happening yeah also you guys just have all these fucking just i'm imagining all all their trunks are like steamer trunks i'm like it's a lot of steamer trunks and not just like a regular piece of luggage between all of them right yeah You know, they either got tipped really well because Molly was just like, here's all the leftover money that Arthur brought home from the Quidditch World Cup, or they got tipped super poorly because Molly doesn't know about tipping. And so they like gave her the change and she was like, okay, thanks, bye. Yeah. I guess I should bring up a question because I know that like in Europe, really kind of in general, like tipping at a restaurant isn't a thing. Mm -hmm. I guess I don't know if tipping a cab driver is a thing. Because regardless, where in the witching world would you tip anywhere? So Molly probably doesn't know unless her money was like, give them some of this muggle money, right. <laughs> please. They deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think tipping in general isn't really a thing, but I also don't know how, like, when that became true. You know, yeah. has it always been true? Or at some point were they like, actually, what if we just, like, pay people well for their jobs instead yeah. of this ridiculous system that we have here yeah um oh okay so poor neville i think is probably going to be the only kid in all of hogwarts who's not muggle-born who didn't go to the quidditch world cup yeah i guess so poor neville poor neville just i don't care that you don't want to go gran like call his friends and see if you can buy him a ticket and send him with someone else like what are you doing? Right. Get this kid to the goddamn soccer game. <laughs> it's your job as a caretaker. Right. He could have just hung out with Luna and her dad for like three weeks oh, in the woods. It would have been, been fine. So I know. <sighs> I feel like Neville's going to grow up to be one of those people who, as an adult, is like, I'm going to do all the shit I didn't do as a kid in like my young adulthood because now no one's telling me no and I have the mind to do it. And I just want that for him. Yeah, me too. I just had the thought when you were like, he should go camping with Luna and her dad for three weeks. I was like, how was he spending those three weeks? And then I realized that Neville probably spends his entire summer with fucking tutors. Oh no, he probably does. Or with just like old stuffy. I mean, I guess he's he's a pure blood, like other like older pure blood friends of his grandma's or whatever i just can't imagine that his gran is not like no you're bad at school like you're gonna learn charms better this summer although i guess technically he can't practice but like she definitely knows that you actually can't like the trace doesn't work if you're in a witch household so yeah it wouldn't be charms it'd be transfigurations or potions because he's good at charms oh right and charms is a soft option Charms is the humanities of Hogwarts. (laughs) (laughs) By which we mean it is the most practical and helpful subject at the entire school. Like, everything that they learn that's useful is charms. Yeah. Um, All right, my last thing is also Neville-related. This moment where Ron is like, Neville, look at my action figure. (laughs) And Neville's like, oh my god, it's so cool. It's... It's like very, it's very nice because, I mean, I think part of it is through Harry's perspective. He really just doesn't spend much time being a kid. And I feel like 
Neville, for very different reasons, is also probably in the same boat. Yeah. So it's just really excited for, like, Ron to be like, look at my cool action figure. And, like, Neville to be like this. And just, like, to have this, like, moment is very nice. I know. Yeah, I felt, yeah, I felt exactly the same way. I was like, this is the most, like, kids being kids that we've maybe ever seen these children. It's really, it's really sweet. I know. Welcome to the education section, where we talk about goddamn schools in general. Because a lot of mine is about Durmstrang, actually. Sounds like a really bad school. Hermione's synopsis is basically they suck and eat and they're evil. And I'm like, why? (laughs) And then the witching world is like, where are all these dark witches and wizards coming from? Maybe because you have built into your education system unchecked space for this shit to flourish which i mean considering the amount of white male school shooters i guess could also probably said about american like american suburbs in general but i think this feels more pointed and almost deliberate feeling yeah explicit yeah i mean draco makes it sound like they don't let in muggleborns they probably don't. Where do the Muggleborns who live in like I mean, if if we assume that the standard that we've been given of like one school per massive region is accurate, then this is like all of the Slavic countries are all going to this one school and none of these Muggleborns can get an education. I don't know. Maybe they're they're all just commuting to Bobaton. Maybe. Because none of them were at Hogwarts, so... Definitely not. Yeah, and it made me be like, why is Hogwarts in cooperation with Durmstrang? Like, why are they the third school? They really couldn't pick a better third school that wasn't dedicated to teaching children the dark arts and keeping Muggleborns out. Yeah, and and I mean, maybe there's, like, smaller regional schools that aren't, like, these, like, giant Ivy League-esque elite institutions... Even though, even if on the surface Hogwarts seems like it's supposed to be a little more egalitarian, but the fact that it's only kids from the UK, and then, right, you have one giant magic school that doesn't take Muggleborns at all, and then you have Bobaton, where if you don't even know enough about their policies to make any kind of assumption about what's going on. Which, maybe that just means that... The problem of Muggleborns in Europe is a much bigger issue just even outside of the UK where you have like someone like Voldemort and the Death Eaters and Slytherin House and fucked up bigoted pure blood culture but it, it seems to be a much more insidious problem than if right you have one of the the largest <laughs> schools in Europe is like we don't even take a third of the magical population right like what i know yeah (laughs) what do you have here um so hermione is of course giving us exposition from a book that she read and then also hogwarts of history which i'm still desperate to read i'm not gonna lie but she mentions that durmstrang and bobatongs and hogwarts are all part of a rivalry together which is why they're like unplottable and you like keeping their magical secrets, which, lol. (laughs) And I just kind of get the feeling that, and part of this is poor writing, where Harry and Ron are both like, what the fuck are you talking about? But if we use that evidence, like the canonical evidence, that even if you grow up, say, in a witching house like Ron has, and you're like, the fuck are these other schools? that Hogwarts is definitely not a part of that rivalry. <laughs> like, Bobatones and Durstrang are in their own rivalry. And they're like, oh, Hogwarts. Pfft. You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I had this, I also had that point, but my, I was just sort of like, you're you're a school. Like, what are you doing? And also I wanted to know, with the unplottable thing, if they're all unplottable, how did, how did, Bobatons and Durmstrang get to Hogwarts. They just, they just like they like dropped a pin or something <laughs> that worked for like twenty four hours. I mean, I guess so. Because like if they've done this Triwizard Tournament, presumably the other two schools have hosted, and so like people from Hogwarts have gone to those other schools in the past, and yet they still don't know where they are. That is true. I also 
in general, which could also just be shoddy writing. Don't think Hogwarts is very well hidden because Hogsmeade. You go to Hogsmeade and you, and any given weekend, you see a bunch of kids wearing Hogwarts scarves. And you're like, there's a giant ruinous castle like a half a mile away from Hogsmeade. I wonder if that could be Hogwarts. Right. Yeah, it's bizarre. The like, no one knows where Durmstrang is. Even just from context clues. Like, even if you have, if they went there for the Triwizard Tournament in some way where they didn't know where they were going and they just turn up there, it's like, well, you're going to see the scenery. Like, you're going to get, you're going to interact with these other students. Like, definitely you're going to figure out where you are. Right. If you show up at Durmstrang and like, whatever their version of filch is is speaking russian you're like okay i could be in russia which is huge or (laughs) the ukraine which ruska colonized for a while or whatever but i think if they have fur cloaks in their uniform it's probably russia right i would guess because i mean i don't think i mean poland and like the ukraine get cold but i don't think they get you need a fur cloak every day cold yeah i don't know Though I guess he said, doesn't Crumb say that like the 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 Durmstrang castle is like much colder than at Hogwarts? Yes. Just matching up some fucking insulation, I guess. Right. Again, what is the point of being magic? I know. Um. Do you have anything else here? Kind of attached to my other point is the idea of like. The Hogwarts education being somehow competitive up against Bobaton, or I guess maybe for Durnstrang, since I guess I don't know. It's like at Hogwarts, they're not teaching kids how to use dark magic, but they're allowing Slytherin House to flourish. Where I feel like those kids know dark magic anyway, right? No one's doing anything constructive about it. So, sorry, I'm not. I'm not sure that I followed. I guess I'm just thinking that if the other schools are in a rivalry, then there's, I guess, I guess though, if it comes down to the fact that only Hogwarts and Bobaton take muggle students, I guess, I I guess I don't know what about Hogwarts would make a muggle-born kid in like Belgium or the Czech Republic pick like Hogwarts over like Bobaton. Right, right, right. I mean, there's there's nothing to imply that this isn't just regional populations at these schools. It's like, you can't just say that there's a competition and then never give any evidence, you know? Yeah. It's not like Harry, as a half-blood witch, clearly with normal powers, whatever, he didn't get multiple school acceptance letters and have to choose yeah. between them. yeah. Like, Malfoy's parents were like, maybe Durmstrang, because, like, they know the headmaster. Mm-hmm. I just think it's not true that they're in competition, or if they are, it's, like, not that kind of competition. But I don't know what kind it is, because it's not like they're like, our students get into, like, better colleges, because there are no colleges. Yeah. Huh. Is this more shoddy writing? Yes. Okay. I think that's what it is. Glad we could could, could solve that one. Um, All right. My last education point is that it is pouring rain and that it's not safe for these children to go in the boat with a woman who cannot do magic. In the pouring rain, a child almost dies. Dennis Creevy very well could have died if the fucking squid hadn't saved him. And flexibility. That's all. I'm like, yeah, you usually do it that way. But this year, you shouldn't do it that way because it's pouring rain. And so you, it's not safe. It's not a good idea. Put the children in, in the things. You know? Yeah. Tradition should not be more important than the safety of children. I mean, <laughs> not at Hogwarts. Has <laughs> Hogwarts ever considered the safety of children over literally anything? Uh, they haven't. <sighs> which at the very least do the other schools care about their students safety more than Hogwarts <laughs> because maybe that's the competition they're in is like least student deaths per year <laughs> oh no oh no oh. 
Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. I think I think we both have the part of the first same point. Probably. Which is Amos and Arthur conspiring to let Moody, this retired cop, off on a technicality. Mm-hmm. Which is fucked up. Yep. And I mean, that's just a full sentence. Like, what the actual fuck? Yep. Um, yep. It's, <laughs> it's not good. Uh, Hashtag ACAB. Yep. Uh, How do you, what do you think Amos did to stop the misuse of magic department people from going to Moody's house? If I had to guess, I would say that he was like, listen. You don't want to go over to Moody's house at 7 a.m. on the day when your kids are going to Hogwarts and have him potentially curse the shit out of you because he's an old-ass cop and knows all this shit. Let me and Arthur take care of it, and y'all can just... And we'll just just allow this uh, lesser charge to be brought up, and then everyone can just go about their day. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially since Amos was like, you know, Arthur, you're the only one who can kind of, I mean, basically calm him down. I mean, if Arthur's basically the only person who can, like, kind of deal with Matt without getting 80 million curses thrown at them. Yeah. That just might be a reason to not have anyone really else go in. That's true. You know, that that brings up a good point that I hadn't thought about before, which is, like, it's super unethical for Amos and Arthur to do this, like, you know thin blue line like you know we're not gonna let him get in trouble thing but also i think it would be super unjust for this old man with severe ptsd to get in serious trouble for having ptsd symptoms yeah that's actually kind of a part of my main point which is yeah so obviously he has mental health issues from ptsd and everyone Sort of just brushes it off as him being a, like, paranoid old old coot or whatever. Right. Which is, yeah, fucked up. Like, he, sh- I mean, not that it seems like there's really anything that a healer could do, but maybe. Um, but also, if, if Moody has as many enemies as Arthur makes it sound like, and, I mean, it's not like the, and the ministry just isn't competent enough to do anything about it. I think he has legit reason to be paranoid as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess it's also hard because I n- n- obviously like, you know, like a hypervigilance is a part of PTSD and CPTXD symptoms. And I'm mm-hmm. obviously not trying to say that that isn't necessarily always justified, but it's also hard to say because it's like living through a pandemic for two years. I feel like a lot of like my hypervigilant paranoid tendencies, I'm like, I think you're correct. Right. <laughs> Sometimes. So I guess I just feel very complicated about everyone just sort of brushing him off where I'm like, right, A, he's mentally ill, and B, I think he might have legit reasons to be concerned about his own personal safety, especially since he, like, lives alone, it sounds like. And it's not like the ministry has probably would even maybe even deal with anyone trying to. Like, they're they're like, oh, no one attacked him, whatever. And it's like, yeah, they fucking did. You guys just didn't look deep enough or into it to make sure. Right. I mean, obviously what, you know, BC Jr. is doing is way outside of what anyone would have imagined. Right. Clearly. But. Yeah, he basically needs to be in, like, witness protection or something like that, which makes it confusing about why he doesn't have, like, all the charms on his residence that everyone has in book seven. What, I mean, yeah. the answer is, like, they haven't been invented yet, and also plot. Yeah. Haven't been invented yet by the author, clearly. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he... You're right. Like, he has every reason to be paranoid, both on a practical level and on a mental illness level. And this is a situation that should be a, you know, community response team uh, intervention, as opposed to, like cops of any variety it would be cool if it wasn't like let's get him off on a lesser charge but instead like hey folks like actually people who care about this person are gonna go check in on his well-being 
as opposed to like we're conspiring to like get him off you know yeah and then they're like you're totally fine to go teach them like a bunch of kids right <laughs> welcome to advertisements where we ask you for money and then make you laugh do you love halloween do you love animals if you answered yes to both questions then we have good news for you this month only, if you make a donation of any amount to support our work here at Hashtag Ruthless Productions, Griffin Dyke extraordinaire Jesse Blount will send you a handwritten spooky animal fact in the mail. Head over to Hashtag Ruthless.com and click on Donate to get yours today. You know you love getting mail. <laughs> Next up. From renowned historian and author Bathilda Bagshot comes the latest edition of Hogwarts A History, now updated to include the murder of Professor Quirrell, the opening of the Chamber of Secrets, and attacks by Sirius Black. Hogwarts A History has long been considered the essential book on not just the titular school, but all of British witching history, and this book is a must-read not just for history buffs, but for anyone hoping to understand how the world we live in came to be. And if you happen to be a child soldier faced with the task of defeating the rise of a dark wizard, well, this book may actually be a matter of life and death. Use Flourish and Blot's new convenient owl delivery service to get your copy today with free shipping using the promo code READAFUCKINGBOOK. Again, <laughs> simply send an owl to Flourish and Blot's in Diagon Alley and include the promo code READAFUCKINGBOOK to get your copy of Hogwarts A History with free shipping today. Read Hogwarts a history because sometimes history repeats itself. <laughs> Such a... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love everything about that. <sighs> oh, Hermione, why would we ever read Hogwarts a history? Uh, totally unnecessary. Don't worry about it. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. So, Ron, when Ron is, mumble, was, is angrily muttering about Malfoy, he's like, my dad likes where he is. He could get a promotion at any time. And my question to you is that, is this something that is real, or is this a lie that Arthur and Molly tell the kids? I think it was real at one point. I think Arthur's really good at his job and he's really dedicated and that misuse of muggle artifacts is usually a job that's used as a stepping stone. And so he probably got offered a promotion a couple of times and, you know, probably to like improper use of magic or something like that. Cause he is, he's really, he does really good magic. He's very good at problem solving and using spells for things. Um, and it's like personable in a way that I deeply question about everyone else we've met who seems to work in the ministry. Yeah, totally. And is clearly respected by people from other departments who probably think his department is bullshit. But I think that you turn down the promotion enough times and people are like, mm, what's up with you, muggle lover? Like, that's weird. And so at this point, he's probably not getting offered a promotion because people think that he's like a weirdo for not having accepted it in the first place. Yeah. Okay, that that makes sense to me. He probably could still get another job, though, honestly, because he is friends with so many people. Like, if he wanted to change departments, I imagine that he would probably be able to find one where they would take him. Yeah, I mean, I guess... I mean, I suppose it is a good trade-off if he's in this department because of his interest in muggle items in his compassion for the way muggles are treated and also because if he can work a study like nine to five that's pretty great to or whatever his hours are to like be with his family his ginormous family right it sucks that he can't get a raise though yeah because it seems like he's he he's working eight hours a day he's very good at his job just because you don't think that his department is valuable he's still doing something i mean give everyone a raise all the time but like the the idea of him being like maxed out on how much they're willing to pay someone who does his job after as many years as he's been there and like the amount of dedication that he's shown to the job is like absurd to me 
Maybe there's just not enough funding for his department, but I'm sure the Aurors get whatever fucking magic carpets and whatever fucking invisibility cloaks, whatever they need. Yeah. <laughs> also, I mean, within our capitalist system, I'm like, just make more money. But like, you're literally witches. Just duplicate the money until you have enough to give everyone <laughs> money. Right. Like, their system, their economic system doesn't make any sense. Just make more money. Just bloop, more money. Give it to Arthur. I mean, I guess if I knew more about what an economy based on precious metals is like. Because, yeah, I mean, for the U.S. economy, we're not in the gold standard. Just print fucking more money and give it to people. Like, like it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Like, half our money's just in the ether online anyway. There's a mean jack shit. But I guess I don't know if there's an actual, say, limitation on the amount of galleons and shit that the goblins are pressing or whatever like it's just very i mean again we just don't know much enough about their economic system yeah which is frustrating to me very the opposite of what tolkien has done (laughs) (laughs) yep tolkien's like here's a whole ass language and i'm like cool (laughs) yeah right right three more ladies into your series yeah Listeners, we just guessed it on That's What I'm Talking About, the podcast. Uh, I don't know if the episode is out yet, but when it comes out, you should totally listen because we were very, very funny and it yeah. was a lot of fun. Um, okay, I want to know what in the world the difference between misuse of muggle artifacts and improper use of magic is. Hmm. Hmm. Does Harry get an improper use of magic? Citation when he blows up when he blows up Marge. It's like use of underage magic, right? Because Fudge just sweeps it under the rug. Um, I guess I'm assuming if you have a a Muggle object like a trash can that you've modified magically in a way that Muggles could potentially see it or trigger it or be affected by it, it'd be. Misuse of Muggle artifact, and then I don't know any, and then anything else is misuse of magic. Because like, what, what, what were the charge? What, what, what was it? There were like there was the trash bins, and was it something else, or was it just the trash cans themselves? Uh, it was just the trash cans. But Amos posited that he thought that probably Moody started cursing everything in sight. But yeah, I was really confused about why improper use of magic would be called for this because it seems like it is actually very clearly in Arthur's department. Yeah. Well, I guess if someone is cursing muggle, that might not be (laughs) misuse of muggle artifacts as much as another different law. Right. But I guess that part was just a suspicion. Like that wasn't what the report was about, was my understanding. I don't know. I might have read it wrong, but yeah, I don't know. Or maybe this is one of those things where, like, if they don't like you, they actually hit you with both charges because you used magic improperly to make the muggle artifact in the first place and you misused a muggle artifact. Potentially. That seems like a, a, like a corrupt thing. Yeah, a corrupt does. government like this would do. <laughs> yeah, it does. So. <sighs> okay. Yeah, so per my ad... This moment where Ron is so shitty to Hermione, where she's like, everyone knows that who's read Hogwarts a history. And Ron goes, just you then. Fuck you, Ron Weasley. What? No. Uh, no. I just wanted to like reach into the book and just smack him across the face. Uh Uh-uh. Especially because, Ron, how many times would you be dead if Hermione had not read a thing in the book and used information to inform you and Harry about a thing? At, at least twice a book, my dude. Minimum, yeah. Absolutely inappropriate behavior. And I guess, uh, I don't know, I guess it's hard for me because I'm like, as a nerd, I'm like, yes, please let me read Hogwarts of History. Mm-hmm. Scoundrel JKR, stop writing any other bullshit. Just do this and then just leave. No, just stop it. Even if she wrote it, we would not, I mean, we would have to, I don't know, pirate a copy on the end. Oh, I mean, I would clearly pirate it. I mean, I'm not giving her any more money. I want someone else to write Hogwarts of History. Should definitely check if someone's written Hogwarts of History as a fan fiction. Yeah, I agree. Because even if J.K. Rowling wrote it, it 
like it would be, she, it would be she doesn't know what she's doing like we want someone who's actually invested in this and has like a curious creative mind to answer these questions for us hers would be ridiculous so yeah that'd be a very fun i feel like collective project if everyone just picked a thing to write about because we know very little bit about the founders and like early hogwarts but if you knew crap about pre-christian early christian uk history you could definitely figure something out i feel like i saw a twitter post where someone was like looking at the time period when hogwarts was first created and it was like this was probably built as an as an abbey as like because of just when the time that it would be in and then just like had a bunch of hypothesis of like who each of the founders would be then given the time period mm-hmm. um which i don't know if i can find again i can try so we can put it in the show notes but just like that kind of creativity is what i want to read yeah Maybe in 10 years when we finish this podcast, we can transition to a Hogwarts of History podcast where we like bring different experts on for every episode and we just create the history of Hogwarts. Wow, that would be incredible. It really would. That'd be so cool. No one steal our idea. We're copywriting (laughs) it here. (laughs) We are going to copyright this already copyrighted uh, uh, intellectual property. Don't worry about it. If you do steal it, at least fucking invite us on. Yeah, and credit us in every episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's so many TikToks, Harry Potter TikToks out there where I'm like, you got that idea from us and you didn't credit us. And that's incredibly rude. (laughs) (laughs) At least put it in the the caption. Like, please. Yeah, to our uh, Gen Z and whatever is after Gen Z listeners... We do look at TikTok, so <laughs> you can always send us the links if you're making TikToks about HP and an idea that you've listened to us about. Absolutely. Yes, we would love that. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. You want to start? Yeah. Um. So, flu is, you can basically literally facetime via flu uh-huh. which why aren't there just more portable fireplaces so people can do this mm. in the, like a payphone? like are you telling me the world cup someone couldn't have thrown together a fireplace to be able to make flu calls like come on y'all but they have to be connected remember that's they true. have to connect harry's fire it's not like a flu cell phone <laughs> that's true but if they have 400 ministry members working on the cup they could have gotten whoever is in charge of that the flu network yeah you're right to do that yeah uh also how does this thing how does it work is a question that i had like because i feel like flu powder lasts a limited amount of time that's why you have to like use a certain amount and so like i mean my question is like does it wear off slowly so that you can like feel your neck starting to heat up or is it like all at once and suddenly you're like oh fuck (laughs) or like are you doing like a constant trickle of flu powder on your end with like a shaker maybe like what what's happening <laughs> he's, he's a, like a salt and pepper shaker yeah. full of flu powder yeah. we we never see harry actually make a flu call do we? yes we do in book five he sneaks into umbridge's office and talks to lupin but lupin is making the call from the fireplace harry's not putting harry, his head in the yeah, fire he is i don't remember what that i don't remember how that was described then how it was done He's, I don't remember if he just throws the flu powder in the fire. Like, he doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he does. He just throws it in, and then he, I mean, he he comes out because he hears someone coming, so we don't we don't see it wear off, but they talk for, like, a while. I feel like if I were writing this, it'd be, like, a line of flu powder in front of, like, in the fireplace, so it'd be, like, I don't know. Yeah, or, like, a different kind of flu powder where it's, like, hard-packed or something, so it, like, disintegrates slowly. <laughs> It's like a charcoal brisket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly like that. (laughs) Actually, that would make a lot of sense. Plus, you could pull that out if you didn't use it all during your conversation. You could put it out and use it again later. Yeah. Or I guess less like a charcoal brisket and more maybe like a like an incense cone. I feel like those are actually kind of the same thing. 
That's true. I guess I don't know what holds together a commercial brisket thing, but I know that you can just use like natural resins to put together like a incense cone and that seems right. more magical. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Um yeah, so I wanted to talk about un unplottable unplottableness. Yeah. I also I'm yeah, let's talk about it. Uh my whole note is just the word unplottable, so actually I'm gonna kick this to you. <laughs> um I actually have to say that this felt a little bit like in an re- escape for reality where I'm like, okay, this is actually very cool magic, mm-hmm. which is right. You can't find it on a map. Like that's, that seems pretty cool. You can't even put it on a map. Like that kind of level of no one knows what the fuck I am is something that I would love. To have. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> it just seems very, it seems very useful. And I'm sure I don't know. I guess I'm like, are a lot of like witching houses unplottable? I feel like it would make sense if you're trying to hide from muggles. True. Because if the borough is unplottable, maybe it matters less that they don't have an anti-apparition ward or whatever. As if you would have to be there or know the address to, or however apparition works like that. You couldn't just like open up a Rand McNally. I mean, this is the 90s. Open up a Rand McNally atlas and be like, there's the borough. Yeah, or like yeah. a phone book. Right. The white pages. So I was also enjoying imagining someone trying to plot an unplottable location on a map and it like scooting around, even if it was like a <laughs> muggle map with muggle ink. Because I that's super fun to think about. As I was, I'm just imagining that in like a Google map. We try to drop a pen and then it just like, woo. Uh-huh. And you're like... What am I doing wrong, Google? <laughs> yeah. Why isn't this working? Yeah. Um, your turn. Okay, so Hogwarts unplottable, mm-hmm. anti-muggle charms, allegedly quote-unquote hidden. Even though <laughs> I'm definitely calling shenanigans <laughs> on that. But how does Hogwarts keep out white dudes who love to explore dangerous ruins? I. That's. Exactly. I was like, this seems really low-key. A danger sign on an old castle? Honestly, how does it keep anyone out? <laughs> and on Okay, I do want to back up. Because having explored ruins in the UK, you can just go. Like, you, just, you can just go explore them. Places where in the US it would be, like, gated off. It'd be like, you can look at this from 500 yards away, but no closer. Like, you, whatever, you know, they're like, if a brick falls on you, that's on you, dude, you know? Right. Or it's like, it, it's been there for a thousand years. It's probably unlikely a brick's going to fall on you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they just don't have the, like, suing situation that we have here. So maybe if there's a danger sign, it means it. And so people are like, I'm not going in there. But wouldn't you go in there? I would definitely get really close. Because I can just imagine a bunch of terrible Americans with GoPros being like, look at this ancient ruin I'm going to go into, you guys. I mean, not GoPros because it's the 90s, but camcorders or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's like, maybe a few times a year, uh, the professors or Dumbledore have to like, obliviate a couple of muggles who are like, I'm determined to see this fucking ruin. And they're like, <laughs> cool, you made it this far, but you're not going to remember anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely go past that danger sign. I might not go in the castle, but I'd be like, mm, there's a long way between me and the like alleged danger. So there's a giant lake. You're like, let me go look at the lake. That yeah, seems a real beautiful cool. forest. Right. <laughs> yeah. You can at least get close and examine the architecture. Like there's some right. gargoyles. Look at these like, maybe the, maybe they don't see the winged pigs because they're probably magical, but Yeah. Yeah, I also wrote that, like, I would be like, excuse me, Frankenfurter might be in there, and I could be his new, like, Columbia-Rocky hybrid, so I'm definitely going in the castle. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay. 
Okay, well, I do. I need to write a story where Frankenfurter tries to get Topo Tours. Like, I really respect what's going on, but you cannot. They trade like beautiful, ridiculous outfit tips before Frankenfurter is sent on his way. I mean, Frankenfurter has had that excellent cloak in Mm -hmm. his in his first scene. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. This podcast and our other podcast, Escape from Reality, where we talk about the Simon Snow trilogy by Rainbow Rowell, are both creations of hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. If you want to support us in ways that we haven't already mentioned in this episode, you can rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Give us uh, five stars. And we read every single review and uh, love them dearly. Uh, you should also tell your friends about this podcast or any other podcast in Hashtag Ruthless so they too can enjoy uh, the hilarity and joy that is Hashtag Ruthless Productions. <laughs> um, you can follow us on social media at The Gaily Prophet on both Instagram and Twitter. You can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash The Gaily Prophet, where... For instance, this month I will have my usual Halloween extravaganza post of all things scary movies, videos, activities of all different kinds of whatever your level is about scary, spooky media. I gotcha. And you can also go to our website where you can make a donation to get a spooky animal fact from me. Or you could buy some of our merch at hashtag ruthless.com. Heck yes. Uh, if you want to follow me on the internet, I can be found on Instagram at Lark Malachi or on my website, which is LarkMalachi.com, where you can get a tarot reading from me. You can find me on Instagram at Live from Detroit or on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. And until next time.